Should I be irritated? Should I be nervous? Should I be scared? Dear listeners, this is an Auto Leaders Insight podcast. Today we will be talking about leadership qualities and about brains. My name is Paula Salovara and the experts on these topics are Ben Notnagel and Jaakko Kopra. Welcome. Morning. Morning, Paula. Good morning, Paula. It's great to be here. And let's start with an introduction. Who are you guys? Yeah. Well, um, I'm Jaakko Kopra. I'm a former uh, research scientist, but these days I work in the pharmaceutical industry as a medical advisor. My background is in uh, biomedicine, uh, pharmacology and neuroscience. And I actually did my PhD studying the brain, especially the brain dopaminergic system that are important in the uh, cognitive function, uh, creation of habit, and so on. And um, on parallel to my PhD, I actually did the um, MBA degree in Alto EE, where we actually uh, met with Ben. Okay, who yes. are you, Ben? So I'm, if we talk about former, I'm a former lawyer. And uh, what I'm doing now is I'm developing leadership programs, trying to work with smart people like Jaco to translate what we can learn from neuroscience, neurobiology, so that uh, normal people can use that as practical stepping stones for self-development. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Actually, we have one big question that we're going to be Uh, asking and I hope answering also. It's what is the most important of all leadership qualities? Who wants to start? Well, why, why not me? Start. Yeah. So to our view, the most important of leadership qualities is uh, cortical connectivity. And uh, What we mean with cortical connectivity that it's basically a state where our uh, prefrontal cortex is orchestrating our thoughts Uh, behaviors and emotions. And that's a part of the brain? Absolutely, it's yes. a region of the brain and you yes. also can explain that much okay, better. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That, that's the thinking part of the brain uh, that actually is located behind our forehead. Uh, it's actually very well connected with the rest of the brain. and uh, That's where basically our uh, higher uh, cognitive functions, high-level high functions are uh, located. That's where they live, basically. And what we mean with this cortical connectivity uh, and how it orchestrating the uh, thoughts, functions, uh, behaviors is that it actually works kind of as a filtering mechanism. So it basically um, facilitates um, those uh, op operations in the brain that um, uh, are relevant to the task at hand. And at the same time, it, it's inhibiting uh, all the irrelevant uh, thoughts, actions, Uh, emotions and that's how it makes our behavior when it when we let it be in charge our behavior is as intelligent as as uh, uh, good as it can be in each situation now we just need to know how how to get to this point where it does everything that we want and doesn't do the things we don't want do you have any examples so together uh with the self-development process at Alto EE, we looked at exactly a mechanism to activate this state of prefrontal cortex connectivity. And uh, it's based on the principle of enoughness. Uh, in my experience with working with uh, 
executive MBA students and corporate leaders around the world. When we are in this state that Jakob talk, talk, is talking about, we are mostly able to perform at a very high level. And that is the state of enoughness, the ability to access the current skills and competencies that you have already. So how not to lose that, to underuse what you have. And the technique that we've used also in your MBA program was a tool that is called Situation Smart, where you identify one or two or three moments in your life that is important for you, whether it's with people you love or uh, in business situations or in life situations. And in the beginning, you just practice to create high cognitive connectivity in those moments. Okay, explain high, uh, what was it? Cognitive <laughs> connectivity. High cognitive connectivity, uh, because so that we can do it, we have to know what it is. One more, once more. <laughs> Neuroscientists will probably kill yeah. me for this, but it, it, it really is that there is activity in the prefrontal cortex, this measurable activity, and Yaku can, of course, explain it much deeper, but it shows that there is cortical activity, so one can actually see whether you are thinking or not. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely possible to record this with uh, modern imaging devices with humans and actually see that our behavior is different when the cortex is actually activated, when it's connected, and when, when it's orchestrating our behaviors. And that's a beautiful word that Jaco is using, because the prefrontal cortex, like a conductor, activates different parts of the brain, uh, stimulates different parts of the brain, so uh, that are required for different type of behaviors. So, so the, the orchestrating is really a good word. Yeah. And especially behind this, it's orchestrating the goal-oriented behavior. So when we are actually working on a task, we are trying to solve a, uh, a problem, or we're actually dealing with uh, another person, uh, that then there are things that are uh, appropriate, and we should be open to the situation, uh, process information from our surroundings, and that way be kind of flexible and adaptive in the situation in order to solve it in the best possible way. Because the kind of the alternative to this is that we kind of, in a way, turn inwards uh, and rely on our habits. We become uh, responsive um, and uh, automated, and usually that doesn't lead to the best uh, possible solutions. I think the good word for automated, if you would agree, is unthinking. Yeah, definitely. So but so 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 cortical connectivity is something you use when you do something that is not routine, not something that you're used to. It's, it has to be extraordinary. No. Mm. Well, I I, I could mm. put it this way: that if your uh, work and your daily life, if it mostly consists of simple, well-rehearsed tasks, in that case, the cortical connectivity is not so important to you. Yes. But if this is not the case, actually. Uh, you will do definitely better if your cortex is actually in charge and uh, coordinating what you what you do your your as I said uh, thoughts, uh, behaviors, and emotions. So I think uh, if, if we translate this to a business word, uh, this is probably when you need complex problem solving, when you need uh, creativity, or maybe critical thinking, when you have to evaluate something, then we would want to have high cortical connection because by unthinkingly evaluating, you are simply not using all of your ability 
your enoughness drops and the quality of the output drops. Okay, so let's have an example about the situation, <coughs> smart yes. situation, where you uh, do the right thing. Can you, and, and how, how you do it by using this method. Can you give me an example? Yes, so, so uh, typically what we do is, how does one know when a situation is important? So first you select moments in your life that's important for you. A very easy way to understand what is important is when you have a certain emotion because emotions show you that this moment is important. Say, for instance, uh, irritation. I wouldn't have the feeling of irritation if that moment wasn't important. That, that emotion would not be created. Now, especially since the impact of Yarko's research of habit. So what I have found working with the MBA students is that many of us are in the habit of having certain emotions. They, they, of course, they're real, but they're habitual. Habitual. Yeah, always when this happens, I react. Exactly. Yeah. Every time I see this person, or it's very interesting. So, so when I work with students, they talk about habitual emotions with their children, when they drive, when they sit in management meetings, or when they have to present publicly. Now, it's it's really important to to understand, is this emotion real? It is always real, but is it important? So, so when you have that emotion, we ask you to ask the question, should I be irritated? Should I be nervous? Should I be scared? And I think this increases for a short period of time, Yaku can confirm, cortical connection. So it overrides unthinking, and for a few seconds you have thinking back. Okay, so there is a reaction, something happening in your... Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the one of the special and important functions of the uh, prefrontal cortex is the behavioral inhibition. And actually, it, it basically is able to then uh, step in and ask that, is this really uh, useful, useful for the situation? Uh, it's kind of, and um, is this really the um, uh, right way to go? Uh, if I can interrupt, so, so a very good example is uh, I've worked with companies where uh, the company strategy is to embrace digitalization or to get ready for digitalization. So very many of us, uh, the employees and the leaders, are not very sure what digitalization means. So it creates uncertainty in us. And if uncertainty or then stress, or, or if the uncertainty brings on a bit of uh, long-term stress, then our ability to have complex problem-solving creativity drops because this uncertainty emotion limits uh, cognitive connectivity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's basically the uh, uncertainty is one of the triggers of the stress response. And actually, stress re response is the uh, biggest enemy of the cortical connectivity. It's, uh, the research clearly shows that this is Basically, it's, it's basically silencing the uh, prefrontal cortex activity. And at the same time, it's actually enhancing the, uh, our habitual automated ways of responding. Okay, uh, so yes. if, if I, if I uh, uh, get really mad, 
I I'm kind of blind to what's what's going on, even if I know that this is not right. But how do you you know all these facts now? And I think I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but maybe let's do it. How do you activate this whole uh, thing where you know you have you have the ability to uh, do something to your stupid uh, overriding emotions, uh, but you don't? Well, maybe maybe a good example could be: say you're mad, and you ask yourself, "Should I be mad?" If the answer is no, then you have been in the habit, and the emotion will subside, and cognitive connectivity would return, and you would continue to be non-mad in that situation. But maybe more importantly, say I, you ask, "Should I be mad?" and the answer is yes. Now you have not manipulated the emotion; you're still mad, but you're Cortex is prefrontal cortex is connecting and orchestrating. Now you can be smart mad. You can actually articulate why you're mad, and depending on who you are, you may win or you may solve that situation. And ma- being mad or angry, I suppose, is then a cue, not the enemy anymore, of of uh, uh, prefrontal cortex orchestration. It's the it activates and in 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 many cases I think this makes you authentic, because I'm not manipulating. I'm including my cortex because this emotion is real. Yeah, I I fully agree to that. And it doesn't. And emotions are not enemies. They can actually be helpful in uh, in many situations and in many tasks, especially when we deal with other people. It can actually be good to have certain emotions and sometimes even good to show those emotions to the other person so they can be really a source of motivation inspiration or influence when we deal with other people so it's more about that uh, and what this cortical connectivity and orchestration means that we we basically inhibit those that are inappropriate uh, for the task at hand and basically facilitate those that are appropriate and Cortex has the special ability to do that. How long have we known all this? Uh, how long has the world known this and not uh, done anything about it? Well, I, I would say, I mean, this at least right at the moment, to today and for a longer time, this has been rather general knowledge for the neuroscience community. And what we are aiming here is that basically to translate this large body of uh, knowledge into concepts or um, thoughts um, uh, and maybe even tools that uh, people, no normal people, non-scientists, like regular professionals, managers, they can uh, connect with and they can really uh, utilize in their everyday life. So science has known this, but uh, but it has not been used actively. I think like everything, you know, so, so, so one of my early heroes were Antonio Damasio, <coughs> who wrote, I think in the, in the early 80s, the clear impact of emotion on thinking. But like, like everything, uh, technology has advanced. So, so much of his powerful thinking can now be measured. And modern business sort of believes what is measurable. So, you know, this is, this is why it has not been translated uh, maybe effectively to the business community because it was hypothesis, a very strong hypothesis. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I think neuroplasticity, the brain's ability to change, has been... Uh, the first articles were published in the late 70s. 
but it was only after the the the, the really the the geeks, you know, the, the guys who could actually put these measuring machines together, these silent heroes, when they showed that if you are thinking, certain parts of the brain is activated. And when you're not, certain brain parts are not. And that makes it interesting, because if your lights are not on, you can't be enough. Going back to the, the science part, but I, I have a, a personal question in here in between. You both know everything about this. Uh, are no, I don't. No, no, <laughs> me, me neither. Pretty much. Yeah, you yeah. know very much about this, little less than everything. But you know how it works. You, and do you always uh, do the right things? Are you able to, with all this knowledge, uh, to manage your brains in personal situations? Definitely not, I would say, from my side. That it, this is not the, not very easy, actually, uh, to achieve it. And actually, the I was uh, afraid of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the, and the kind of the um, biggest issue here is actually that, especially in those moments that we, we would most benefit and we would most need this kind of uh, uh, very top-down coordination and intelligent thinking behavior. Exactly those moments are the ones where it is under th uh, threat, under danger, that we actually, that cortex will be disconnected. And those are like situations where there's really like, uh, let's say, um, where the stakes are high in a very sensitive situation. For example, you're having a negotiation, uh, maybe you are dealing with a difficult customer or you are having an argument situation in your mm -hmm. team or at home. Those are uh, situations where actually our cortex tends to get disconnected. Then For me, it has, um, it has contributed greatly to my life. Uh, by nature, I'm shy, and shy people often find uh, uh, public situations difficult. And when I feel uncomfortable, my cortical connection is down, and I'm not as smart as I want to be, and if you're a lecturer, that lecturer, that's a bad situation. So, so I have. Uh, I don't think the pursuit is perfectness. The pursuit is to enjoy enoughness. And I have, I have, uh, of course, lots of areas to grow, but I have started to feel very good. With sometimes I even feel smart. Uh, you know, it, it's it's not every day, and it doesn't mean that I have not made mistakes. Of course, I do. But the, the joy is not to evaluate self. The, 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 the idea is to understand the joy of enoughness because it contributes very much to your own self-image. And what it does, it helps other people see you as enough. And in that's the beginning of good things. Enoughness is, is nice. It doesn't uh, ask you to do everything right. No, no, no. But then... Um, Thank you for sharing your your personal thoughts on this. Uh, and then the question: How do you practice this? How, how is this? Is this like a muscle? Do you do you practice it? Is this a, a habit where you learn to use your brain wisely? Because I understand if we're uh, if you're teaching it, if we're learning it, then it's something that that, that there is a way to learn it. It's yes. not just something that drops down from the heaven and then you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Like this is a uh, very good example of this is the, uh, the popularity of mindfulness techniques uh, and yoga, meditation in today. These are actually all 
ways to kind of uh, practice the brain, kind of pra- practice the, I don't know, muscle of the prefrontal cortex, that uh, practice the focus, being in the situation, leaving out the judgment, um, accept the changing nature of the world, world, the uncertainty, and to deal with it more effectively. And also uh, what Ben talked about, the enoughness that really also uh, find a better balance between uh, uh, your yourself. And I think uh, I agree with Jaco, it's absolutely practicable. I think what has been the difficulty is many of the early mindfulness exercises uh, entails busy people to schedule extra time to do it, like an hour for yoga, 30 minutes for meditation, and people don't have the time. So the should I question and the tools that Jaco and I'm working with are tools that you can do as you live. So ask should I many times per day and Uh, exercise in this case maybe means neuroplasticity, the brain's ability to create more connections or in in some cases even to increase in size. But the idea is that there are specific things. If yoga works for you, it's good. I tried meditation in Bhutan. Meditation stressed me out. But I'm going to Singapore tomorrow and I'm going to study Tai Chi with a Chinese master because I think I hope that I can learn from Tai Chi small little exercise, maybe two, three minutes every day that will help me with focus, balance and create a pathway in my brain that is practice. The main main problem is that any exercise that takes time is difficult in the modern world to implement. And I think the thought of mindfulness, yoga, it kind of takes you to a very different world of maybe business leaders. And uh, and uh, some people think that uh, I, I, do, I, I don't do those things. They are for the hippies or, yeah. or for... You Alternative know, yes, people. And I don't have the time. Um, and, and that doesn't lead me to the, to the place where I want to be. And then they look at their calendar. So, so what are the tools? What would you, you, you say they, they should ask, should I? And uh, that takes them along the path somewhere. But what else? I use some very, very simple tools because I realize that I have the habit to hunch my shoulders a bit. So I have to walk in any case. So I often, when I walk for one minute at a time, just create a posture that, that I think makes me look good. And then after a minute, I forget about it. Or I sometimes, I like very much the the work of Ellen Langer of Harvard, where she says, when you're in a train, in a car, in a room, just direct your mind to something. Notice something, like this yellow cup Paula has here. Keep your attention on that for three seconds. And forget it. Five, six, seven times a day. And this makes you a better leader? It increases your cognitive connectivity. And if your cognitive connectivity is higher, then you have access to enoughness, and that makes you a better leader. Uh, And definitely, the cognitive connectivity at the cortex, it's really behind all our executive functions. Uh, Basically, which are the... What what are executive functions? Yeah, they are the subset of uh, cognitive functions that work together uh, to achieve goal-oriented behaviors. 
Like for instance, to, to achieve goals, uh, complete tasks. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, for example, our ability to think, ability to plan, to be creative, to solve problems, uh, to be creative, uh, to be resilient under uh, a task that uh, is really uh, feels really heavy or even impossible. Uh, all, all these are basically executive functions, and they basically are living in in our prefrontal cortex. Uh, That's a wonderful way. Yeah, then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you become the better leader. So, so it's 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 almost enoughness means I have a whole set of skills. If if I'm not cortically connected, I don't have access to what I have already. So just by strengthening cortical connection, I can use all these executive functions because I have them already. Okay. Do exactly. do we all have them? Uh, is it something that we? carry with us and they're kind of hidden inside of us and then we take uh, start using them when we find out about this method or is it something that only some people have no all, all of us have it that's that that's what makes us humans and i guess if we wouldn't have it we would uh, ne- never <laughs> complete school of any kind i agree so ba- these are simply things behind our learning and so on and let's say um we, we are connected to them um, most of the time, much of the time of our days uh, and our uh, daily life. But as I mentioned earlier, the kind of the tra- uh, tragedy here is that like, uh, especially in those situations where you would most need them, it actually tends to be that you lose them. You, you lose the cortical connectivity, exactly those situations where you would benefit the most from them. Exactly. The old rule of count to ten when you get mad, is this the same thing, actually? I think your mother was yeah. overcautious. She could have <laughs> said count to three. But, you know, it's absolutely the same thing. And what we can see now is with the, uh, the neuroscience advances that we can measure when you ask should I or you count to ten, the activity changes and it includes much more cortical connectivity. So we can see it's happening. I think maybe um, what Jaku was referring to, to accessing what you have already, there's this uh, wonderful researcher, I think it's Goldman Rachis, and she, she calls it working memory, meaning that, that I can remember what has just happened with you and Jaku, and I can use it as we discuss. So I can remember what Jaku has said a minute ago, and then when you ask a question, if I'm cognitively connected, I can incorporate his view and add it to my view. But working memory also means that I can remember things that has happened before. I can access it, I can mine it, and I can bring it to my day-to-day work. And especially then uh, when we work in a country like Finland where, where people have extremely good education levels. So we can assume that our working memory here, enoughness memory, is high, and I see it is. So why not use it? It's a competitive advantage. Yeah. Uh, and definitely working memory is one of the functions of prefrontal cortex, one Absolutely. of the executive functions. I, I would I like to think about it as a mental sketch pad, that way you can basically kind of uh, uh, test your uh, actions or even emotions in theory before you actually put it to practice. Like especially if you get irritated by someone, you might, might have like a, a you know, fantasy 
of <laughs> doing something or saying something very nasty back. But then in your mental sketch back, you kind of find this scenario and you realize this will not lead to a very good outcome. So then you mm. are able to take uh, action that is more suitable for the situation. And this is basically, uh, actually, I would say that this working memory is behind the uh, this uh, flexible and adaptive behavior. Yes, I was going life. to ask. Yeah. You said the flexible and adaptive. Actually, I got notes from you, and there was the, the a couple of times mentioned flexible and adaptive, and that is something that you really can do with when you master these skills. You don't even have to master it. Just yeah. be aware of it, and you do enough. Yeah, I mean, basically, these skills are, in a way, living or in our prefrontal cortex. That prefrontal cortex has the special ability to promote these uh, flexible, adaptive, creative behaviors. I'm still wondering. It sounds kind of easy. You both said it's not e- easy, oh, but, but it sounds easy. Uh, it doesn't sound like uh, something that uh, only really smart scientists can understand. Um, I mean, we are all, all using this in our everyday life. That it's not a question about that. It's basically that when we are altering our uh, behavior or our strategy or our decision-making according to the changing situation or uh, or whatever that it needs to, for example, complete a complex task or solve a complex problem. You kind of often have to look at it from several perspectives, do a lot of thinking in a way to kind of solve it, so to speak. And I think <clears throat> I think it, it it is maybe easy, say in seventy uh, percent of one's life, but like Yaku mentioned earlier, in in some moments that are maybe very uncertain or like we see this term vukkanes, in a volatile, uncertain, complex world, then we lose it a bit. Or is there somebody that upsets you very much or if you have high levels of stress? So so the basics are, are quite easy to achieve. Uh, when life becomes a bit rough or when chronic stress goes up, then it takes a slightly more uh, concentrated effort. But it's still yeah. the same part of the brain that does the work. Same part yeah. of the brain that does the work. Yeah. Uh, and the, in a way, the problem is that o- often under, under stress or we are facing uncertainty or uh, dif- difficult situation, many of us, uh, we tend to kind of close down or, or some of us may start saying things like um, that uh, we later regret when, when we yeah. lose this cortical connectivity. So... Yeah, yeah. So actually, the more behind this uh, flexible and adaptive behavior is that we basically kind of would all, instead of closing down, you open up to the situation, open up in information uh, that ca- that is coming in, kind of analyzing the analyzing it, processing it, kind of understanding the situation. Then, often using your uh, working memory, you are crafting a couple of uh, options how to deal with it and then choosing the best one. That, that happens within a few milliseconds, I guess, in our, in our brain. And we do it intuitively. But that, that's not how, how it works. And Yako has a lot of uh, research and knowledge on habit. And so, so to explain to you, so with the executive MBA, I, I, I asked around uh, 900 executive MBA students, men and women that, that are, have jobs, lives, and on top of it, study, as you know, uh, both of you know, actually. And so I asked them, I I was thinking that this idea of stress is becoming habitual. 
So I, I ran a small project with them to ask them every time they feel stressed or busy to ask, should I be? And uh, I just got the results that uh, a year ago or so. 64% of the time, the answer to that question by those students was no. No. So this is maybe a habit is the silent enemy. You know, if, yeah. if, if, the, if the enemy was visible, then it would be easy to fight. But the, the, the dropping cognitive connectivity is often caused by the silent enemy, habit. The bad habit, because there are good ones also. Yes, the, yeah. the, uh, good habits, you know, is also probably limiting cognitive. Yeah. Uh, so good and bad habits limit cognitive connectivity. You know, good habit yeah. could be... Because you go yeah. on. Yeah, it's just uh, automatically. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and I would like to add that actually whether a habit is good or bad, it's actually depending on the situation. So that's why it can be a really cognitive decision to actually just simply follow our habits exactly. uh, in, in situ certain situations, um, especially like the uh, morning routines in our daily life. Does it, it doesn't mean make sense to invent the wheel every day, every day, every morning. Yeah. So rather just follow your habits, let, let it run on automatic, uh, making your breakfast and brushing your teeth and so on. Uh, save your capacity to the situation where that really require uh, cr creativity or important moments of your life absolutely. or absolutely yeah exactly okay we're at the last question I actually have a, a sentence here that I that you wrote, I think it's Ben that wrote it, I think you already said it once, I think it sounds like a great promise and you both get to comment this after this, it's when we let it be in charge, and I think we're talking about the, the brain and the, the cortex, the, the yes. cortex. Uh, when we let it be in charge, our behavior is as intelligent and purposeful as it can be in each situation. I yes. think this is a very great promise for humankind. It's enoughness. That, that is really what enoughness means. But also to bring it to, to some of the, the leaders that want more practical. So, so this then unlocks executive functions like Yaku have explained. Yep. And executive functions are the functions that you are recruited for in business, that you are evaluated when you are in business, and that you are evaluated on when you promote it. So it, it's not a far off hippie idea. And not, not that I think that, that all of these wonderful authors that we uh, spoke about mindfulness is hippie. But in a, in a VUCA world, uh, some people saw mindfulness as a luxury. Uh, it's not. It's a necessity. It's probably the best accessory you can ever have. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree. It's basically like uh, foundations of a building, like a, a meta-competence that you basically need the cortex to be connected and activated in order to access your current capabilities, in order to use your executive functions that are there. Exactly. Thank you very much, and I hope we can all be both uh, enough and s so smart in situations. Thank you, Ben Notnagel and Jakko Kopra. Thank you. I enjoyed it very much. Thanks. Thank you.